What's going on, sports fans? It's Josh Williams back in the building. Man, Super Bowl recap. Exciting to be here and, uh, you know, exciting for our guest that we have again today. Came on the podcast last year, around this time, I'd say. And, uh, you know, excited to have him back, get his takes, all the hot takes from, uh, from Mr. Fox Taylor. But before we introduce Fox, got to go to the bearded one who is not out front. He, he decided to to go backwards in, in time. Oh, it's not a decided. And, 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 it's not a decided, okay? <laughs> the studio has been packed. I've been here since 6.30 this morning. I got a chance to meet Mike Florio, Chris Sims, Pro PFT is what they call it, yeah. Pro Football Talk Live <laughs> on Peacock. So that was a dope experience, but that just goes to show. Lots of business, lots of people. So there's another show going on in Studio A. I have to be back here today. And it's not out of choice, bro. You're, you're, I'm... I'm you're on the clock, downgrading yourself, but it's all right. We we did get to meet uh, Chris Sims and Mike Florio, and um, we got to see what uh, George and I kind of were discussing this before air. We got to see what that next level is going to look like, and what this show can be, and what what just just moving forward. But without further ado, gotta bring in the resident guru, the king of odds. Mr. Fox Taylor back in the building. Fox, how you doing today? What is going on, my brother? Good to be back. Good to really see you good again. Good to see you again. We've been talking about everything. Uh, how was your weekend? What did you, what did you do this weekend? Uh, weekend was fabulous. Um, we didn't get into Vegas until Saturday, which I did that on purpose because, <laughs> you know, I know that leading up to Super Bowl, Vegas as a whole was just going to be completely crazy, packed traffic, this, that, and the other. So flew in a little bit later, decided to come Saturday. Um, and then spending a few extra days in Vegas, not only doing some stuff like that, um, you know, stuff like this, excuse me, but um, just being able to do some other things in Vegas without all the crowds here. So got here Saturday, um, yesterday, obviously, awesome Super Bowl. I know we're going to get into that, get into some of the picks and the plays and whatnot, yep. man. But overall, it's it's great, man. And like it's, I said, good, really good to be back. Good stuff, good stuff. George, did you do anything crazy this weekend? I went and saw Tom Segura. Burt Kreischer and Shane Gillis oh. at MGM Grand Garden Arena Saturday night. Um, amazing. Like, I, I, I really enjoy that brand of comedy. I needed to check, check the legends off the list. Um, but there was really so much going on here in Vegas this weekend that you couldn't go wrong with wherever you went. It yeah. just it felt like on everybody's IG stories, there was different events. Like, I, I didn't see people at the same event. It, it was nuts. It, no, it was uh, definitely to your point. Uh, it, was, it was like there was a different experience for everyone. Because I saw all of my different friends, and I'm, like, seeing friends that meet Joy Taylor. And I'm like, bro, like, that would have been real nice to know. Real nice to know. I would have dressed up for that one. But, um, yeah, I didn't, have a, I didn't have a sexy weekend. I, I, uh, I got a dog. Whoa, it happened. I did. I did. No Instagram did. pictures yet, or did no, I miss it? No, 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 like, no. You know, I keep things kind of close to best. Uh, it's my second Kane Corso. Oh, wow! Yeah, that's yeah, a big. That's a big. Yeah. That's gonna be a big boy. Yeah. Well, she's boy a big. Girl. She's a big girl. girl. Yeah. So this is my first girl dog since uh, my original dog back in third grade. So nice. excited for that. Um, but before we jump into everything, before we jump into the show. Uh, I just had to first give a shout out to our sponsor, Coco Love. You see. We now are getting Coco Loves in two liter bottles. I had to go to the to the factory because George keeps stealing and drinking all the Coco Love. Yes, I heard the truth, George. I, yeah, I no. heard it's been you the whole time. I got sticky uh, fingers. You, you, you sticky had, paws. Yeah, yeah, sticky paws for sure. Um, but uh, but yeah, so excited for that. You know, what I mean, as Fox takes a swig, I, I'll very go good, ahead good and, stuff. I'll go ahead Tasty. and uh, <laughs> pour myself some more. 
But our show today is brought to you by our friends at Coco Love, the beverage of choice of the American Fan 365. Head over to www.cocolovewater.com for your own case of coconut refreshment and use the code TAF365 for your discount on Hawaiian Beach Vibes. Um, before before we talk about this game, I just wanted one thing because, you know, listen, this is the American fan and um, I was able to actually catch George in the in the parking lot going after I had in, done my interviews and everything in the parking lot going to my car. Um, I ended up freaking recording a guy that has 12,000 followers fighting with these like old, old uh, uh, NFL fans. The old NFL fans were from uh, they were they were Niner fans. And um, and the, uh, the 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 guy with the followers, he's a DJ local in town. He had a championship belt, and so the uh, the old guys were like, "Oh yeah, you know, we coming to steal the belt. We taking the belt back mm. from you." And I was able to film it, and it was so beautiful because it was like it was good trash talk. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was it Sometimes wasn't that can be healthy. Yeah, it wasn't anything nasty, but um, I just had to say. Because, Fox, you have a couple teams, right? You have teams you care for. Of course. Oh, yeah. So if Definitely. your team made it to the championship game, do you have a football team? Oh, yeah. 49ers. No. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Complete transparency here. Okay. Well, well so, all right. All right. So this is exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, if, if my team lost, like, after all these years, George, Remember the last time my team went to the Super Bowl, we we apparently, according to ESPN, were the greatest team of all time really? to win a Super Bowl. We were the number one team with like in terms of ratings, defense, offense, special teams. Wow. And um, and if my team made it all the way back, it's not like the NBA Finals were or the NHL where it's like a slow death. You know, what I mean, you can kind of see the team losing. Yeah. It's a one day thing, a one game thing, and your season's done. I, I feel the need to say to other sports fans, give those fans grace because I would be, I wouldn't be able to do this show today. I'll tell you that it would be like, sorry guys, <laughs> we canceled well, yeah, the show. You almost, you know, you almost wonder, and it's funny cause I was having a conversation with somebody about this this morning and you almost wonder when your team makes it to the Super Bowl and they lose, is it better to watch your team lose in the Super Bowl or not get there at all? And I can just tell you from strictly a consumer standpoint, um, it's tough. It's tough when you go to the Super Bowl and being a you know being a, a fan of the Niners, um, lifelong fan. I was actually at the Super Bowl that they won the '94, uh, the season of '94, but really? it was played obviously uh, January 29th of '95 um, when the 49ers last won the Super Bowl. And now, of course, since then we've had three trips: one with Kaepernick, one with Garoppolo, now one with Purdy. Yeah. And uh, all three trips, unfortunately, unsuccessful. And it kind of reminds me of uh, like the Buffalo Bills in the '90s. You know all those Super Bowls, and then they didn't come out with one. Difference is San Francisco has five, five. total. You know, <laughs> so we're we're still able to take a lot of solace in being a successful team and a successful franchise. Again, having all those Super Bowls and stuff, man. But it's tough. It's tough. It's tough to get that far and lose, and have you know have the lead and lose. Both but the last two times. The last two times. The yep. the the time in New Orleans, you know, what I mean, Beyonce shut the lights off, and then that was the how you guys. Yep. That's how you guys yeah. were able to reset. Yeah. But you know, and that it, you know what's funny is I'm sorry I cut. You no, off, no, you're good. But what's funny is is you know in that Super Bowl in New Orleans we had a chance to win three yeah. or, three or four shots into the end zone with Kaepernick. If you remember, he, he just he just barely overthrew little little too Dang. high for Crabtree to bring it in, yep. 
and um, and and they lost that one. That one was tough. All three were tough. What, okay, well now let's see. Now I'm getting you. You have changed how the show is going to go. How um of, of the three losses. Now that you've had three losses, because we're going to actually talk deeper in this later yeah. on the show. Of the three losses, which one do you feel has been the hardest? Um, boy, that's tough. That's a tough question. I, I think I'm going to say that yesterday was the toughest. It could be that because it's the most fresh. Mo most recent, too. Um, yeah. From a gambling standpoint, of course, I was on the 49ers, not just because I like the 49ers, but strategically um, from that standpoint, you know, on not only on paper, but they passed the eye test. I, everything I liked... Everything about the 49ers, I like for them to win yesterday. And so to answer your question about which one's the most painful, I'm probably saying yesterday. I'd have to recap in my head or go yeah. back over the three Super Bowls. Um, but yesterday, to have the lead, to be in overtime, to get all the way down there. Get, the ball, for, get the ball in yeah, overtime get, first. Get, get the ball first, yeah. which there's some controversy about that today, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Okay. Um if, if you've seen on ESPN or some of the sports outlets today, you know, there's talk about some of the, the 49ers players not understanding or knowing about the new rules and the new overtime rules in the NFL. Uh, I didn't I didn't realize either. there's a whole article about this with some of the players saying that they didn't know. Yeah. Um, and he didn't he didn't. I mean, he kind of glossed the, the referee. I think it was Bill Vinovich. He kind of glossed over what the new rules were. He said it's a new game, but he didn't really explain what yeah. that entailed. Uh, meaning obviously, like, obviously the big difference is both teams, no matter what, get to possess the ball. After yeah. both teams have possessed the ball, then at that point it goes to a sudden death. Yeah. Um, people are giving Kyle Shanahan a lot of flack today because they took the ball, right? Because they're saying that, well, they didn't understand the new rules, and so they took the ball thinking, oh, we need to score first because, you know, if we get a touchdown, we score first, you know, the, the, the game would be over. Yeah. Um, when in fact other people are saying, why wouldn't you have deferred since you won the coin toss um, and then played defense? And so there's 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 two different ways of thinking about how to approach overtime. So there's this controversy. You can look it up. Yeah. Um, I'm sure the fans out there have already looked it up as they're watching and consuming all their daily sports shows today. But this is a hot topic that's going on on, on TV right now. And again, an article on ESPN about not knowing the rules not Shanahan saying he didn't know the rules. Some of yeah. the 49ers players came out. Oh, I didn't realize that the rules were different, all this other stuff. Listen, at the end of the day, going back to your question, yesterday was painful. Um, we had a chance to to at least get a touchdown, which put, would have put more pressure on the Chiefs. Yes. And guess what? At the end of the day, it didn't end up mattering because we went down there, settled for a field goal, and then Mahomes does what he unfortunately always does, right? Um, and they ended up, you know, taking that game and winning it. And so yesterday, probably because it's fresh, it feels like it stings the worst. Yeah. Um, monetarily, uh, from a monetary standpoint, it was still a very profitable day. But uh, from a fan standpoint, it certainly stinks that the 49ers lost. Fair enough. Fair enough. George, uh, I, I will say this, uh, piggybacking off of what Fox just said. I thought that uh, Tony Romo and um, and Jim Nance really did a good job of explaining because at the end of the at the end of that first overtime period, when it like because they were winding the clock down real well and I was like okay all right, but then when it got to like you know we're inside the twenty and they're just letting this thing bleed, I'm like yo, what are we doing? Like yeah. <laughs> like hurry You're up, get about this letting thing the in. 49ers let it bleed, right? No 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 the the, the Chiefs because um because essentially. The, the overtime was just going to roll into the next overtime. It wasn't going right. to be. I, I was of the mindset of, okay, it's a new sudden death again. And well, they would go back, do another coin toss. And it's like, well, he ran out of time. Here's the thing. And I'm glad that you brought this up about the time, about the timeouts. What I couldn't understand 
is why didn't Kyle Shanahan call a timeout? You're talking about Chiefs letting the, the clock run, right? From that last first down uh, on, a, on a completion that they had, and now they're in the red zone, yep. and essentially you've got 50 seconds. Time is ticking live as we're watching it. they got 50 seconds. They're probably going to have, what, two or three plays to punch it in? If not, kick a field goal, go to, go to the second overtime, like what you're mentioning. I'm watching it, and I'm like, why aren't the 49ers calling a timeout? They still had two. They had their two overtime timeouts. Okay? Three. They had three. I think you only get two in overtime. No, 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 no. Oh, it's three? It's three. It okay. was, that, was, that was the difference. It was three. Um, and then, like I said, whether they would have kicked the field goal or scored in that first overtime, they would have still started the second overtime in the same spot. Okay. That was the difference. Okay. So my, my thing is this. If I'm Shanahan, especially now when it's – third and goal. Yeah. And either one of two things were going to happen yesterday. They were either going to get the touchdown, which they did, but now just going back into yesterday, watching it live in real time, you're either going to get the touchdown or you're not going to get the touchdown and you're going to do what? You're going to kick a field goal and go into that essentially double overtime, yeah. which we just got done uh, speaking about. When there was 50 seconds left and they were going to basically – they were letting it go all the way down. I don't understand why Kyle Shanahan doesn't call a timeout. Give the opportunity for the defensive coordinator, Steve Wilkes, on the 49ers. Let's, to have a moment. Listen, it's one play left, essentially, because they let it bleed all the way down. So there was one or two plays left. You could have had that moment to say, okay, schematically, this is what we're going to do, and this is what we need to be be expecting from the Chiefs. Yeah. Watch the motion, right? Watch this guy in motion. Watch the, watch the guy leaking out so, somewhat out of the backfield, essentially. Uh, you know, again, hindsight's always twenty twenty, but no, why not no. call a timeout to really get regrouped? No, it's no. going to be one last play. Yeah, and I know, and I see exactly what you're saying from a standpoint of, listen, this is the, this is the last game of the season. It's the last game of the season. Call the timeouts. You can burn all three of them right now if you have to. Right. As a coach, I always would say I'm not. I'm not. I'm leaving. With, I'm not leaving with right. any timeouts. And, and then answer me this question, if you would, please. Yeah. What would it have hurt to call the timeout? Nothing. Because the Chiefs were okay with we're going to let it go all the way down, and then we're going to run this one play yeah. prior to the field goal. That's so right. So if we get it, we win. If not, we kick the field goal. That's right. So if you're Shanahan and you've got the timeouts. Can you have anybody, nothing to lose. Can anybody explain to me, can anybody give me a reason if you're Shanahan to not call a timeout? You've got two or three of them yeah. like we're talking about. Yeah. Why not call the timeout to really reset, regroup, talk about a couple scenarios, right? Because if you've been studying film all week leading up to this game, wouldn't you kind of be game planning like, hey, this is what I kind of expect Andy Reid might do, yeah. right? You, you want to be defensively in a posture uh, and set up from a defensive standpoint of we are in the best position to hold them on this play and not allow a touchdown. Thousand percent, because that's that that's essentially the game. Uh, George, what did you think of the uh, the the new overtime? What did you think about overtime in general? I mean, I love the new overtime, dude. I absolutely love it. Uh, the fact that we knew that Patrick Mahomes was going to get the ball, crazy. But it's so new. They, it's almost like the NBA in season tournament where you're like, wait, this is <laughs> yeah, happening. They're making it up as they go. Wait, along. This is literally happening right now. So I thought that, like you said, Romo and Nance did a decent job of trying to explain this to him. But dude, when you watch that last play with the 49ers, there was players that literally did not move. Like you, you, you saw yes. the reaction time that was like a second behind the snap and it, it, yeah, I'm I'm completely in favor with calling a timeout there to regroup. Yeah. Uh, but I think what happened was you get so paralyzed in the moment, you know. And as a head coach, like that's a something that Shanahan's going to have to live with is that like, where was your mind at 
with when there was 40 seconds left on the clock and you just saw it ticking away like where was your head at because i think if you can sense that you're out of sorts as the head coach like you should probably call a fucking timeout, dude. Like and, and yeah, again, you know, what give me the downside? What, what does it hurt? Yeah. Be, well, because listen, if if we burn all three of them, okay. But if we burn all three in the hope that we get this stop and we get them to a third down, well, then they kick another field goal and we're still tied. Absolutely. You yep. know what I'm saying? It's not as if we're in a situation where it's the end of the game yeah. and we need to save these timeout. Like you're saving them for no reason. And, and you know that there's just one play to game for because yeah. when, yes. when they ran that play, at the exact moment that they ran that play, there was only enough time for two more things. One play and then potentially a field goal. So, again, if you're Kyle Shanahan, I hate to just keep beating this drum, but it's frustrating why don't you call that timeout? And then George just said that there's like this almost like lack of response on that last play to where the 49ers didn't react as quickly. I was talking to George off camera before we got in here, and I told him, I said, look, I've, I've watched a play at least 10 times between last night when the game was over yeah. and today, and there's a couple of strange things that happen. Um, not necessarily strange, but the first thing that stuck out is Bosa goes and rushes into the backfield. He commits to taking the running back. So Bosa commits to the uh, the fake handoff, right? Only- the, the, essentially, he's uh, responding to um, the fake handoff, which t- takes mm-hmm. place in the backfield. Yeah, if you're looking at this play right here, well, that's awesome you guys brought yeah. it up. So look at Bosa. When, when Mahomes gets it, here's a snap coming. So Mahomes gets a snap, fakes like he's going to hand it off. Bosa, if he stays with Mahomes there, that pass never gets off. If you look at Nick Bosa, 97, he's coming in. If he stays with Mahomes and doesn't bite on the fake, he's in Mahomes' face enough where Mahomes isn't going to risk. Um, it's either going to get batted down or it's it's probably going to be incomplete. Here's the second thing on this play. Mm-hmm. Watch number 33. He's the cornerback. Yep. He's at the edge right here uh, Yep, where George is pointing yep. the cursor. Look at number 33. What is he doing when this play happens? I'm going to tell you what happened, but go ahead. I'm going to let you go. Well, I mean, saying, I mean, essentially, if you're looking at this, he kind of gets faked out by the motion, right? To a certain degree, but there's still enough time. Look at this. There's still enough time for him to respond to the guy running out to the flat. He well, never looked at the. Well, here. So, so this is basically, this is what happened. And in, in the, the coolest part about that play is it's the same kind of play that they ran last year. Versus the Eagles, with only that last year it was uh, Kadarius Tony, and then it was Sky Moore. When they when they ran a bluff motion, he bluffs and then goes back. So go ahead and go back again, George, because if you watch closely, uh, pause it right here. Pause, pause. Okay, so the guy, so the cornerback that's in the uh, far right, up, up one more. Yes, he passes him off because they be- they believe that he's going to continue motioning across the face. So if you watch his hand, he passes him off to the middle guy. So that's the reason why he doesn't move because he's now taking, I think that's Travis Kelsey in the middle. When he goes back, Kelsey's basically blocking him now. Yes. So now he's got a wide open lane. There's, which, there's no one there. Which there's here, no one there. Which here's another thing is you've got Kelsey, you've got Kelsey blocking immediately during a pass play. Um, <laughs> while the pass is taking place it's at the essentially at the line of scrimmage. It's, yeah. it's, it's, this could be borderline yep. offensive pass interference. I don't wear zebra stripes for a living, and I also don't <laughs> want to sound like I'm complaining yeah. because, again, I am totally transparent here. I wanted the 49ers to win from a gambling 
betting standpoint and, and, from, personal, a fan, and from, from, personal. from a personal standpoint. Yes. But again, I mean, George, what's your thoughts on this? Number 33, look at his, just no reaction to the guy coming to flats. He was there to make that play. Yeah. It's does. It's like he was, it's like he was he in whiffs. a trance. He whiffs yeah. on a jam on, on Travis Kelsey. Like you can see it. It's just right here. He's about to punch whiff, nothing. And at that moment in time, you're like in the fucking land of, Oh shit. I yep. just lost the, the yep. 49ers of Super Bowl. And, and, I, and, and if I, if I may say this, yeah. if I may say this, when this final drive was happening, if you recall the most crucial, the most crucial play of this drive was when it was fourth, fourth and, and one. one, fourth and one. And it was around midfield ish, maybe even the uh, 40 yard line. No, no, no. It was, they were still in chief's territory. Oh. They were still in their own territory. Right. Okay. But, but it's yeah. about the 40. About yeah. The yeah. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. In there. So if you go to that play. It's almost the same play. Now, this is what these guys get paid the big, big bucks for, and this is what I mean when I say that. The play where Mahomes – is this the play, George? Uh, yeah, the read option. This is the read option where Mahomes has the – this is all designed for Mahomes to run all the way, but yes. there's two different things. You've got the fake handoff, right? Yep. Then you've got Kelsey in motion who also looks like he's going to be looking for this ball. Look at him right here. Bang. He looks back to see if he's going to get it. That's all done on purpose. Mahomes mm -hmm. was always going to run this. This is the almost the exact same play at the goal line, and that's why it worked out. That's why Andy Reid is a genius. This is almost the exact same play. So the 49ers – are reacting to something that they saw earlier. Or thought they saw. Or thought they saw. Yeah. And that's the thing. This thing is dressed up so beautifully. And 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 I can I have no problem at all with acknowledging the beauty of that goal line play. Mm. That goal line play, it wins the Super Bowl. But would you not agree that that play looks extremely similar, which when they get down there allows them to get this touchdown. That's right. So miraculous job by Andy Reid. I think he's the best coach uh, of, of, I think he's the best coach in football currently, yeah. and I certainly think he has a leg to stand on as maybe one of the greatest coaches, uh, if not greatest head coach of all time. We could talk about that uh, later. But again, not not hating on the Chiefs at all. The, that offensive scheme was great. Those those two play calls are coincided together. Yes. I don't think that there's any mistake about that. Yep, a thousand percent. Uh, Got to ask each of you guys, what was your favorite Super Bowl commercial before uh, we move on here? I thought the commercials were very weak, mm. um, but how the how the hell did Temu get two ads? Two? They had like three. I felt like yeah, yeah. I get they got one at the very end, but and they, it was the same. I was like, well, Temu, at least they didn't yeah. reproduce this thing. Like they <laughs> no, Temu Temu spent about forty five dollars making that advertisement on Fiverr, <laughs> and they spent all their their fucking customers hard earned ten dollars on. <laughs> On a on a average Super Bowl commercial, it blew my mind. Hundred percent. Well, I didn't have a favorite. I have a question though. Okay. Where's a Doritos commercial? Mm. Wow, sure That's didn't have thought, one. Dude. They they turned the Luxor into a giant Dorito here in Las Vegas. That's right. We know this, right? Yep. Where's my Doritos commercial? And then, I, you know, I got up to go to the bathroom at least once. Had okay. some had some food, things like that. Did either one of you guys see a Pepsi commercial? Didn't Pepsi? You didn't Pepsi always have a, a commercial in the yeah, Super Bowl? Yeah. yeah. And if I'm not mistaken, I think Pepsi and Frito Lay, because or who makes Doritos? Frito Lay, right? Yes. So I think there's a connection there, and some they're all, they're all the yeah, same. it's like a conglomerate or something. Huh. But there was no Pepsi commercial. There was no Doritos commercial. 
I don't get it. Where's the Doritos commercial at? Maybe it's because, you know, I'm 40 years old and I'm still stuck with all the nostalgia from back in the day, right? Do you, we do had, you not we like had, a good Doritos had, Super Bowl commercial? Bro, we had good commercials, man. Like, I, I will say the funniest one that I found that I actually really enjoyed was the uh, was the Christopher Walken commercial. Oh, now that, that one was yes, good. Yes. And with, all those guys doing the imitations the, the, of the impersonation. That was good. It was really, really yeah. good. This like that coffee one is hot. It's it's a hot coffee. <laughs> yeah. Like like that one they that one on that, that one had had a good feel. Like Super Bowl commercial is supposed to give you an immediate feel. I will say so then the, also the Arnold Schwarzenegger commercial, um neighbor. I said neighbor. It's, 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 neighbor. It's, it's, it's neighbor. It's neighbor. Yeah, it's what I said, neighbor. Like yeah, that one. Yeah. That one wasn't bad. Danny DeVito making an appearance, them getting together like twins. Yeah, I thought yeah. that that was good. I feel like it's too many celebrities in commercials now. Way too many. Like way too many celebrities in these commercials now. Well, it, it was because it was a Super Bowl, you know. <sighs> so they're just trying to fit so much stuff into all those different spots and, and make them as flashy as possible. But good, good call on the Christopher Walken. I forgot about that one. That yeah. one that was, was that, early. That one legit made me laugh yeah. and chuckle throughout that. That one was really good. <laughs> How about a uh, good old RFK throwing it back to the sixties oh. on his political ad? Oh, my gosh. oh yeah. Well, oh, you, you're like, that was unfortunate. You think so? Cause uh. here's the thing. Here's the thing. He, they're trying to get an independent voted in. So they have to be so different than any other political ad that you've ever seen and they just said fuck it dude if it worked for jfk back in the <laughs> 60s let's just rerun this update the graphics a bit it John seemed a little Kennedy, it seemed bro. a little out of sorts you know like it didn't mesh in with everything else yeah but it, so maybe at the same time it made it stand out yeah the um i will say the uh the christianity commercials were dope the one with with Who everyone watching for that uh, honestly i think truthfully probably comes from somebody's tides Somebody's tithing into that. Yeah, I was about to say, that's a wonderful write-off. But I mean, like, you know, because like, when it started, the the second one, when it was washing feet, I was like, this is, another, this is a Jesus commercial. Because I yeah. was like, why is it washing feet? And I was like, because we're supposed to wash each other's feet. We're supposed to be service. We're, we're supposed to serve each other. So, like, those were those were actually... Yeah, that was good. Those were good. Those were wholesome. But, it yeah, was. It, was, it was a week. It was definitely weak. I will say that. Um, but uh, what won it for the Chiefs, do you think? simple this is this is really simple and um and, and again it, it it you know when you look at the game yesterday patrick mahomes is a bona fide superstar okay and let me tell you what bona fide superstar quarterbacks do in this league they take control mm. patrick mahomes engineered an exquisite drive at the end of that game do you know at the end of that game he had two really big rushing plays Yes, for over twenty yards combined, maybe yes. even it might, it might even, even it might closer to thirty. 30. Closer right. to thirty. That right. second one was long. And, and this is my point on that. You see, this is what superstar quarterbacks do. They take charge. We are going to march this thing all the way down, come hell or high water, whether I got to pass or to throw it. How much did Mahomes really rush for during the regular season? Not much, because he's more of a, a pocket guy, and he's also great. He's got quick feet. Um, the way Mahomes maneuvers within the pocket and outside of the pocket because people don't really associate him with a mobile quarterback because a mobile quarterback is like a Lamar Jackson, right? Or a or, Jalen Hurts. Or constantly running. Right, constantly running yeah. and also just always making plays with their feet because that's yes. where they're also most comfortable at. Mahomes, we don't think of him as a dual threat, but he is very he's very quick with his feet. And so he can maneuver in the pocket yeah. and also get just outside of it, but still always be looking to pass. My point is, is that... That was the difference. Mahomes' feet.
feet and ability to rush, but also welcoming that responsibility of put this on me. I will go down and get us this touchdown or I will go down and get us this field goal to tie it up to make sure we get into overtime, whatever the case. Um, and if you look, that's what superstars in the NFL do. Even if you look at last year, I know that the Eagles lost in the Super Bowl, right? Yeah. But Jalen Hurts, we can agree, has now come to the forefront as a superstar within the NFL. You would agree on that, right? Yeah, yeah you know? no, more or less. Right. Now, he's a different style of quarterback. But my point is, how many times last year, not this season, but the year that they went to the Super Bowl, did Jalen Hurts take over games, right? Whether it was going to be to throw it, pass it, or make something happen on the run. Um, if you look at a guy like Josh Allen, who I think should have been the MVP this year, maybe that's a conversation for another day. Josh Allen is, is he is a dual threat quarterback. He's bigger than what we think of when we think dual threat quarterbacks, i.e. Kyler Murray, Michael Vick, et cetera. Yeah. But same thing. I'm going to put the responsibility on myself as the quarterback, and I'm going to will us to victory. I'm going to get us in positions to win games. And so if you look at guys like that, they welcome that responsibility, and they're going to make sure that they put their team in a, in a position to be successful. And, and that's exactly what happened. On the flip side, you look at Brock Purdy. He did just enough to play a good game, but not a great game. He wasn't spectacular. He wasn't he wasn't magical. For first half he was. First half first half I want to say you only had like two or three incompletions. Yes. 123 yards. They but, they actually had the exact same amount of yards at the beginning of the game. I mean the uh, beginning of the first half. Yes. Uh but but yeah, it just it, the second half things started to get tight. Well, if you noticed in the second half the Chiefs put more pressure. There was more blitzing. Yes. Okay, in the in the first half, there's some sort of stat out there like they blitzed them like 18 to 20 percent of the time, something like that. Then in the second half, they blitzed him 33 percent of the of the defensive snaps in terms of from the Chiefs standpoint. So the, all that extra pressure on Purdy, if you look, he had two or three batted down balls at the line of scrimmage. Yes. Um, he had a couple essentially throwaways where the pressure was so much he had to get rid of it faster than what he was more comfortable with yes. where the receiver couldn't get open so that pressure on purdy really um, limited the 49ers offense but here's the other thing and i don't know if you noticed this or not just literally watching the game right is they went away from what their bread and butter was in the second half purdy started to throw it more with the pressure Whereas in the first half, there was such a great balance yes. of the running game with the passing game. And if misdirections. You look at, right, yeah. and the misdirections. I mean, just look at those first couple plays from the 49ers. A huge uh, pass to Juszczyk that was 15 to 20 yards that opened up the game. Then there was the really big long pass to George Kittle. It got called back, but that was like a 25-yard completion. He did, to your point, he looked very good in the first half. And then it seemed like the game plan changed a little bit in the second half, which was perplexing for me. I uh, Before I throw it to George, I feel that um, that script, that first half script, that first 20 plays or so that they had set up was beautiful. It was perfect. On point. And I feel like once, once Kansas City started to get a beat on them, and a beat on what they wanted to do, and they started making more negative plays. I feel like the game just just altered a little bit. Uh, but George, what what won it for the Chiefs for you? What won it for the Chiefs is Steve Spagnola is just that good at calling a defense. And what I really appreciate is my defensive understanding in the past year, and really understanding the way that coverages roll and how you can get creative with sending corners, like blitzing a corner is one of the riskiest things to do in football. 
and the Chiefs do it like it's like they're putting their shoes on a like lot. every day. Like <laughs> like it's not a oh my god, this is our wrinkle play where I pray to God it fucking it happens. <laughs> no, like the Chiefs are dialed in to know that that coverage is going to roll over. We're going to get that guy on the backside covered, and we're going to be able to you know get the pressure on on a young quarterback. And the thing that blew my mind is the lack of screen calls. Uh, whenever you get a heavy blitz defense, you know it opens up a lot of the the, the lanes for you to run. Maybe a Debo uh, Debo Samuel's tunnel screen. Maybe you run a George Kittle delayed screen. Right. Um, a, a lot of these plays that I just did not see utilized. The one time they did run a screen, it was a fucking gadget play. Jawan Jennings. <laughs> it was a double screen on both sides, and he scored a touchdown on it. And yeah. I mean that was a, that's a bad example because the the Chiefs didn't necessarily bring pressure that time, but it's like those wrinkles definitely help out. Um, the Chiefs had a healthy amount of screen game, um, and and so I guess it was the coaching. It was clearly evident that the Chiefs had the better coaches, and that they were always a step ahead as far as the chess game goes mm. with getting your pieces aligned. But then it football's three facets. They won special teams. When you get a, a, a block point. block field goal and you get a a, a, a punt, 60 yard, a punt yeah. a muff punt recovery, you win that facet of the game. That's a. It's not going to show up on the stat box and seem flashy, but like that's it. I, I'm that glad, is the difference. I'm really glad that he said special teams yeah, fair. because I turned. Um, I listen. I turned to the group of people that I was with during the game, right? And the first thing that I said when we had the muffed punt right yeah uh was it a punt or a kickoff it was, it was a punt, punt. It was it was a punt. punt. Yeah. yeah on the muffed punt the Ray first Ray. thing l- listen i turned to my girlfriend and the first thing that i said was that is a huge momentum changer now and i didn't just say that just because not only because because not only after that happened did they score on the very next play the yes, chiefs scored a touchdown that's right valdez scantley that's right you knew it was happening too right i, I literally yes. said i was like the chiefs are going to score in one play here like there's, there's yep. no doubt you're taking a shot at the, the momentum zone. for this Super Bowl changed on that play and 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 George, you you played football, yep. you watch football, you got a football family at home, okay? Would you agree with this? Is there any reason why on the muff punt the guy's trying to pick it up and not dive on it? Aren't we taught in Pee Wee football to dive on the ball in traffic and a not try to pick percent. it up? So that was another thing where again it's a special teams play. And George is 100% correct that that's how big special teams can be in a game. And by the way, this was in the Super Bowl of all things. Yeah. For, uh, for, it, to, for it to be careened off that off his own player's leg, that was uh, – because because when it happened, I was like, oh, no, Muff. But, like, it really – he was actually no, reacting. Right. Yes, because it did hit off the guy's it, leg. It yeah. went off, it it went off his teammate's it's leg. It's just as much as that guy – like, the guy – who had hit off him, like, that's his fault. Like, Ray-Ray McLeod is screaming, is. get the fuck away from the ball. Like, yeah. Situational move. awareness. But then he makes a mistake. Here's a little fun fact for you guys, a little, little football pro tip for all you athletes out there. Whenever you're scooping a ball, you never scoop up to down. You scoop left to right. Look at that. You hear that? When you watch the highlight back, you're going to see him scoop upwards. He loses the handle of it. He's moving forward. If you scoop sideways, you're at least changing the momentum of the ball. Yeah. Um, and it, it makes it... Easier to pick up and harder for the defense to read. Um, so that was a mistake on that part right there. But you knew at that moment in time that the momentum had shifted. I know this. I saw a chart once when I was playing at UNLV where it's when you have a 
turnover in the special teams department? Or you, you have any sort of advantage plays in the special teams area? You Your percentage of winning goes up like 70%. Yeah. Like, like literally 70% of the time when that play happens, that team wins. Yeah. That's crazy numbers. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, I'll, I'll say this. Um, I think the, for me, the Chiefs won it just by staying the course. Everything that you've mentioned, everything that Fox mentioned, uh, it was 10 to 3 at halftime. Uh, the game didn't look great. Both teams had a sloppy-ish first half, you know, whether it was penalties for the Niners. Um, both teams had lost fumbles. Uh, but um, but that field goal to get it to seven going into the half, I felt like even though that second half did not start well for the for the Chiefs at all, I felt that if they were able to just continue to continue, that they were going to put themselves in position to win. And uh, by and large, I think that's really what happened. Uh, Fox, quickly, what do you think lost it for your Niners? Well, I mean, the fact that all the blitzing coming from the Chiefs, and George kind of alluded to this somewhat, you got to recognize what the defense is doing to you. Okay, so this is what they're taking away. So when a defense is starting to blitz your offense like crazy, like they were doing and being so disruptive, yeah. that means now that's where those screen plays come in, the, in. That's where running the ball becomes so much more important because you have to be able to re react to what the defense is doing in order to attriculate the ball down the field. So by just running continuous throwing plays for Brock Purdy against a pass rush that's already coming and being so disruptive, how are you going to be able to be productive? Whereas in the first half, that's why, like what you mentioned earlier, 49ers look great in the first half. I mean, I had people texting me, oh my gosh, 49ers look great. They look amazing. This is their year. Look at Purdy, all these things. Everyone, I mean, I'm, I'm in a Super Bowl party, and, yeah. and you could have heard a pin drop with those Chiefs fans. They thought they were in big trouble, and they were. They got away from the game plan. George mentioned that. You got away from the game plan. You have to react to all that blitzing that's taking place. Where were those screen passes? You know, where were some of those wrinkle plays? We don't we want call them trick plays per se, but the 49ers live in a world of misdirection. Yes. And I didn't see any of that in the second half. And and there was some really great uh, – Kyle Shanahan has so many type of wrinkle plays in his arsenal. It, it was crazy that some of those were not used in this game in some of those crucial spots where I think there could have been first downs. And – that last throw that uh, on the 49ers possession before kicking a field goal in overtime and then handing it over to the Chiefs, no special play, nothing sexy in the red zone, and they had two or three chances essentially at a touchdown in, before settling for the field goal. So disappointed that they kind of got away from their bread and butter and turned into a little bit more of a, of a pass-first team in that second half whenever it just didn't make sense. Yeah, yeah. George, uh, what, what lost it for the Chiefs? Uh, what lost it for the Niners? I think not understanding overtime lost it for the Niners. Mm. Like I thought as soon as they elected to receive the ball instead of taking defense under these rules, I just you don't do that. You're playing three down football. I heard it said on a show. If it was third and one or if you got into a fourth and one situation on the 30 yard lines if you're the 49ers, you're punting the football. The Chiefs were in the same situation coming the other way, but they knew they were playing four down football. They had to do that. And that's where you want your your mind to be offensively. So I think there was this like a huge lapse in judgment. And I think the story will continue to unfold. We already saw that one of the 49ers players said that we I, we didn't necessarily know the rules. And then you said a Chiefs player said we had two meetings on exactly what we're going to do <laughs> if this situation comes up. Sure. And it's like, 
Well, <laughs> that's, it, but it just comes back to coaching. I, I just, yeah. yeah, it, it that's, that's, but, that's but tough, that's tough to chew, bro. But that's what's crazy, what's so crazy about that, right? And, and I'd love to hear your perspective on this because of the point that you just made. The 49ers got there, they got to the red zone, they were 10, 12 yards away, yeah. uh, give or take. From a Purdy pass into the end zone to someone like a George Kittle to someone like a Brandon Ayuk. I don't even know if Brandon Ayuk had a catch in the game yesterday. Maybe he one. Had, he had three. Okay, so I think, he, I think he had three. This is this is a guy who his his uh, his prop total for over under on catches was probably six and a half. Ooh, he didn't get that. He definitely didn't get that. <laughs> he didn't you know? get that. And so again, the 49ers got away from their bread and butter and a lot of those wrinkle type of plays, those misdirection plays that you see that they look like a trick play or they look like a special play, but mm-hmm. they're not. It's it's actually just it's just uh, living and dying off of that misdirection and I keep b- mentioning built built off of something else yes it was built off of something else yeah yeah uh, what about you Josh what do you well, think uh well first off yeah Brandon Ayuk had three catches three yeah. catches for 49 yards uh Christian McCaffrey most catches uh for the San Francisco 49ers eight catches 80 total yards and that touchdown um I mean listen for me it was truthfully it's it's a it's it, I've said this all along, and I've said this back when Kyle Shanahan was my offensive coordinator. He likes to be too cute. There's a time and a place. You know, I know that you said that you wanted more wrinkle plays, and and in some ways, yes, because that is how they move the ball a lot. But the reason they stopped was because when they kept trying to do those misdirections or different things, Chris Jones was in the backfield. Yeah, There were a couple times where they did attempt things where it was like, oh, it's right there, and it was like someone is wide open. But Purdy couldn't get it to him because literally Chris Jones was like, "I ain't moving." Yeah, bro, he's he's a beast. I'm gonna be right here, and he's he crazy. and he st- and he basically either batted the ball down or had Purdy throwing it like this. Yeah, versus actually being able to direct the offense. Um, it, it was truthfully for me. Look, they every time they ran to Trent Williams' side, the left side, on a swing, on a zone, on a stretch, it was seven to eight yards. On repeat, and, Josh, say it and, one more time because I don't think the I don't think the people understand. <laughs> I don't, every every if single it ain't time, broke, don't fix it. Every single Christian time, Christian McCaffrey outside zone. You could have ran that play a thousand times. Like literally, in you know, in, in, just until the wheels fall off. Every yeah. time they went to the left, it was it was a positive gain. Um, the Chiefs had struggled. They struggled stopping the ball going that direction. And they just they just didn't do it. Do you know what I mean? Like, or they they stopped doing it. And sometimes that's what I mean with Kyle Shanahan. Like, I have all these other plays that you talk about, but it's like, well, these plays right here are working. Until you make a choice and something changes and you stop it, and then that's when you do hit them with a misdirection going that way, or oh, it's looking this way, and then now because you're selling out to stop it. Yeah. But they stopped doing that. And it's like, well, I don't know what to tell you. Um, let's quickly go through some some storylines. I won't get to all these because I definitely have some questions for Fox before he gets out of here. Uh, f- first up for the Chiefs, can the Chiefs possibly go three do three in a row? Could they possibly be the first team to ever win uh, a three-peat? Does, does anyone think that's possible? Do you uh, think it's possible? After seeing yesterday's game, you have to believe that it's possible because even with limited offensive weapons, <laughs> and they are limited, they went back to back. Yeah, and and you know, uh, kudos to them. They played a set. You know, their second half is the story of that game. And what about yesterday would not make you think that they couldn't come back and win next year? Because I think we could all agree that they will go out this year and they will look whether it's in the draft or whether it's via trade that they will 
probably add an offensive weapon or two. Yeah. And if they do that, they will be very scary because that defense is coming back. Um, the the rest of the team that they have, is, you know, Mahomes is intact and, and Kelsey intact and all that. So if they added another offensive weapon or two, I could see them right back in an AFC championship game for sure, poised to go to another Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. George, what about you? How could we not, ladies and gentlemen? Uh, do you ever feel like, wow, this is greatness? I felt like this one other time because I'm, I'm a young cat, right? <laughs> I'm a young cat. Seeing Brady do it, Definitely gave me the feel, but I didn't appreciate it. Seeing Steph Curry do it, I was like, still do it. Honestly, he's still doing it. I'm yeah. like, this is an insanely good run, and how can you count this team out when it matters most? And then I see Patrick Mahomes do this yesterday, and I just can't happen to just think that, wow, this is the greatest time in in my football life to be able to see a run like this from start to finish see all the the storylines the way it evolves yeah. i didn't necessarily see too too much early brady um but i could feel it but with mahomes i'm like dude there's he's undeniable yeah it doesn't matter put out a i want to see him take like a, a juco football team and win the national title like <laughs> i think it can happen honestly he's that good what about you uh for me um it's, it's their conference because we've talked about that on this show. Their conference has all the quarterbacks. It has all the elite quarterbacks. And then now you have C.J. Stroud also ascending into that, that realm as well. Um, the road for them is obviously tougher than it would be in the, in the NFC. Um, and, uh, and, and all it takes is injuries. Um, I think it's possible. I don't know if it's probable, um, especially with Joe Burrow coming back. You know what I mean? Joe Burrow is, you know, he he gives he gives them a little bit of kryptonite feel, but we'll see. Uh, quickly, um, how much longer for Andy Reid, George? Do you think how much longer do you think he keeps coaching? I did the math yesterday. Solid eight years. I think at seventy four, I think he would be like, "This is too much winning." He, I, I imagine that at that time, for him to stay that long, he'll have won three more titles, and he's like, "This is easy, dude." You got him honestly, going 84. Honestly, and I love him <laughs> to death. Years. I love Andy. You need to hit a treadmill. We got to get on a diet. We got to get on a protocol. You need to start cold plunging because your you your body cannot withstand more runs like this. We 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 saw. I listen, really we, we, this. We, this we, is good. we saw what happened when when Kelsey just just. Dog. I mean, Kelsey gave him a buckled like it was it was bad. I'm like, listen, man, like there's no. I like, noticed that, it, yeah, bro. We got to yeah, get him healthy so he can make it to 74. Yes? <laughs> that's Let's, that's paramount. Uh, Fox, how much longer for, for Coach Reed? Um, hot take here. You ready for this? Okay. He coaches, obviously, next year. Yep. If they win a Super Bowl, he keeps going. If next year is a letdown year or they don't win, I could see him riding off into the sunset because he's got the three Super Bowls now. Yeah. He's a very, you know, he is a very established, well-accomplished coach and i you know i don't think he's gonna i think in his mind health needing more time with the family these things i, I think he he knows that i'm probably not gonna catch bill belichick for all-time wins or don shula for all-time wins i'm not gonna get seven super bowl wins yeah. so um what is the sense in putting myself through another five six seven years of this true because the guy is older um, and, and like I said, it's simple. If they have a really tremendous year next year, I could see him keep going, meaning winning the Super Bowl and doing three-peat. Because, listen, it's just like right now. Mahomes and Kelsey are going to him, and they're saying, 
Big Red, you're not going anywhere. Yeah. We just won the Super Bowl. Yeah. Why wouldn't you come back? So I think it really hinges on what happens next year. Yeah. I uh, for me, I think he's got. Uh, I think he's got three more years. I think he goes to sixty nine. Um, not hey, for any, not for any other reason outside of that's three more years for him. Um, I think he loves it personally. He loves it. Uh, he's he's built a great culture there. You know, you see Eric Bieniemy going back there. Uh, it sounds like he might be an assistant head coach now with them. Um, what does that mean in terms of Nagy? I don't know, but um, I, I think that I think that he built he just builds it to the point where when he steps down and rides it off, this thing just keeps moving, um, and th- that's that's what I see. I think he's going to really focus in on that over the next few years. Uh, I mean, the main thing really we talked a little bit about their core: Chris Jones, Legarius Sneed, uh, McCole Hardman, Willie Gay, Drew uh, Drew Tranquil. All those guys are free agents this year. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how much they can keep uh, before we get off of the Chiefs. With three titles now, does Patrick Mahomes remotely have Brady in his sights? I already know how George feels about this because he was caught up in the moment in his story in his post last night. So I'm going to go to Fox, our resident guy, first. Do you see Mahomes as closing in on Brady? Well, it depends on what your definition of closing in on Brady really means. Um, here's the deal when you compare these two quarterbacks. Number one, Patrick Mahomes, and I've said this before on another podcast, Patrick Mahomes is the most talented athlete to ever be a quarterback and touch a football in this league, period. What I mean by that is there is nobody who has ever had the combination of arm strength, mobility, mobility in the pocket, um, cerebral abilities of not only reading defenses, but reacting to things. I mean, just all the incredible scramble plays over the years of uh, just this combination almost of Brett Favre and Joe Montana all rolled into one, right? Being able mm-hmm. to scramble and make plays. You know, that's one of the things that Brett Favre was was famous for was those those passes where he's just about to get tackled and he flips it out there and all that kind of stuff. He is the most talented quarterback to ever play in the National Football League. Brady has seven championships, And some people may not like what I'm about to say, but you see, Patrick Mahomes literally won them the game yesterday. He threw the game-winning touchdown, okay? How many times did that happen in Brady's career? A lot of those Super Bowls, he played well, but there's not these huge splash plays of Brady just throwing it all around, game-winning Super Bowl touchdowns and things of that nature. There's a few of those Super Bowls that were literally won by what? Adam Vinatieri and field goals. Now... Understand what I'm saying. Brady had to put them in those positions. Two, two were Vinatieri. Uh, three, Malcolm Butler. James White. Yes. Thank you. So the Malcolm Butler interception, the Vinatieri field goals, some of those victories, like, for instance, when they played the Rams, I'm sorry, I'm going on about this. The Super Bowl where they played the Rams, the final score was, what, 13-6 to six or something like that? Oh, oh, that Rams. Yes. 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 When the I, Patriots I thought, played the Rams. I thought, no, I, I was going back to the beginning. Nine. He played them twice. Yeah. <laughs> good point. Yes. Good point. Touche. <laughs> but uh, that wasn't a super sexy Super Bowl where Tom threw it all over the place. No, no. You know, Mahomes is that guy. And so what I'm saying is this will not be about Super Bowls. Although I think Mahomes, I do think Mahomes could get up to five, six. Um, and then once he's at five or six, what would stop you from saying he's going to get to seven? But your, your question was, you know, 
how do I feel about him and, and, and kind of comparing him to, to Brady and is he in his sights and stuff? Of course he is. He's only 28 years old. He's been to all these AFC championships. Now he's got three Super Bowl MVPs, three Super Bowl trophies. I mean, at the end of the day, even if he never sees seven, this guy's Mount Rushmore. There's no doubt about that of quarterbacks. And he will always be compared regardless of Super Bowls. He will, him and Brady will be in the exact same conversation. This is almost going to turn into a LeBron and Jordan type of deal. Uh, and, and so, okay, and that's that's where that's where I come in. So, so the first part, I'll say this: the reason I wore this jersey today, uh, first black quarterback to ever win a Super Bowl, Doug Williams. Yep. Um, and obviously, Patrick Mahomes is now the greatest black quarterback of all time. That is bar none. Period. In story, you can't even don't don't come at me with that one. Uh, but what I will say is we can't put him ahead of someone that is so far out ahead of him. When everyone starts saying GOAT, it's like, how can you be the GOAT and you haven't caught someone yet? And I'm going to just quickly go through the stats, quickly. 28,424 yards for Patrick Mahomes. Brady has 89,214. Uh, in the playoffs, 5,135 yards. Uh, in the playoffs for Brady, 13,400 yards. Uh, you know, when we get into Pro Bowls, you know, obviously Tom Brady's Pro Bowl record is ignorant. 15 Pro Bowls to five for Patrick. He hasn't been playing that long. Um, I, I said last week, if he won this game, it would put him now in the room. He's now in there with four other guys. Aikman, Bradshaw, uh, Montana, Brady. Those are the only guys with, with three or more Super Correct. Bowls. So... He's already passed a lot of guys. He's already passed a lot of guys, even though he hasn't, you know, caught them in terms of the records or the accolades or those things. Those things will come. When we start really talking about quarterbacks, we lead with Super Bowls, and we lead there for a reason. If he gets to four, now if that happens next year or three, four, or five years from now, it does change the narrative because now he has caught Montana. And his, and his numbers are going to be better than Montana. So it's going to be interesting. Yeah. You know I mean, you can at least start to make that case. But well, I don't want to put him way out. Well, and here's the thing. I'll, I'd like to fire this question back to, to you is, and, and really looking, up the, looking at this objectively and to be honest, if I asked you if you were going to start a football franchise today and I said, are you starting this franchise with Tom Brady or Patrick Mahomes, what's your answer? Oh, knowing everything that I know? Absolutely. You got to know everything. Ooh. Look. You, you got to answer it. I, I'm, I'm going to say this. And I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this strongly. I was a Peyton Manning fan. I loved Peyton Manning. And something about that Brady boy. It, every big throw, every big drive, it may not have ended in a touchdown or him throwing it, but he always put him in position to win. Um I think that him and Patrick Mahomes are cut from the same cloth. Uh, they do whatever it takes. Um, I got to go with Brady until until Mahomes catches him. He hasn't caught him yet. The reason the reason I would say, for, for, mm -hmm, from mm -hmm. my standpoint, and my opinion on the matter is this. His trajectory is, right now, that he will catch Brady. That's the trajectory that he's on. Yes. It's not impossible to think at all that he would not catch him. Um, maybe not in terms of seven Super Bowls, yeah. but if he gets five or six, these are these are apples and apples. It's subjective at that and, point. <laughs> and what I was saying earlier is this: he is more athletic than Brady ever was. Yeah, you know what I mean. And that's not taking anything away from Tom. 
uh, Mahomes is extremely athletic. And when you couple that with all the other abilities that I mentioned earlier, I'm starting my franchise with Mahomes. But you can't go wrong with either two. Yeah. No, no, I hear you. I hear you. Well, let's let's go ahead and get out on a couple questions for Fox. Uh, I, I call, I'm calling this kingdom, uh, excuse me, betting the kingdom with the Fox. So up first, sports betting is now out of control, Fox. What does the future look like to you? Wow, what a question. Um, well, who would have thought just years ago, as we were on the precipice of legalized sports betting in all these different places outside of Las Vegas? You know, because for years, obviously, in terms of the United States, Vegas was the only place where it was, you know, legal. And so just to see the growth in sports betting to where I think I think it's legal now in 32 states. Don't quote me on that, but I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm, I'm right around that number um, in terms of being correct. But it's just amazing. Uh, yesterday I saw a stat that over $16 billion or something like that was going to be wagered on just the Super Bowl alone. And so it's becoming part of the culture. You can see it. It's ingrained with the commercials, the official sponsor of the NFL, yes. this, this, this platform, that platform. So who would have ever thought it would get to this? Um, the sky's the limit. Yeah. And what, uh, what initially drew you to the space? What initially drew you to sports betting? Well, I, I, you know, I've said this before. I think that when you played sports young, and like for me, sports was my life. I grew up not only playing every sport that I could just because I liked competition. Mm. Um, you, you, you like sports for many different reasons. I'm a super competitive type of person. And then as you grow up and you get older and you get exposed to this thing that we call sports gambling or sports betting, now you're taking your two favorite things, right? You're taking making money and sports and you're, you're putting them together. And then, oh, but also, you know, add in the fact that there's this competitive part and you're really just competing against yourself, right? Yeah. And so I think when all that is put together, it's just a really cool space to be in. And also, you know, with what I do, I get to help people, you know, because there, there, there are certainly people out there that they love it, but they don't, they, unfortunately, they don't win and they need someone who can step in and kind of navigate that world for them. Or maybe they've never even been in it at all. And so that's where someone like me comes into play. But um, yeah, I think that just my love of sports is probably the origin there of the whole thing. Yeah. And then what's, uh, what, what sport do you feel most comfortable betting? And uh, what, what sport do you f like to bet the least? Um, I'm, I mean, comfortable or my favorite. I'll just, you know, I, I think what you're asking me is, is maybe what my favorite is or what I think there's maybe the most profitability in. Yes, me, sure. Yeah, me personally, college football is my favorite. Wow. And, and NFL is like right there. And to me personally, I just think that because there are so many, here, here's the deal. From a handicapping perspective, right, and getting a sharp edge, let me tell you this. How many teams are there in the National Football League? 32, right? Yes. How many college teams are there in, in FCS, FBS, et cetera, right? There's hundreds. And so gaining an edge in college football is way easier. Maybe it's easier for me with my knowledge, with my contacts and things of that. But there is an edge to be, uh, to be had in college football. It doesn't mean that there's not an edge in NFL. There certainly is. But with all the different programs out there, there's when Vegas cannot account for 200 different uh, college football teams, right? Yeah. Not lot, well. Not well. Yeah. All they can do is use, in, you know, is use technology to generate lines, and those those lines, most of the lines today are generated by machines. They're not generated by a person in the back with a with a stubby pencil and a piece of paper doing math on. Well, this is what they average. This is what they average. This is what the defense allows, and all that. 
right? All this stuff is now generated by technology. It's way easier to find the holes or find the ability um, to find lines that you can capitalize off of where there has been a mistake and it's off by different points. And that's on the spread or the total. Yeah, yeah. And then, so just- My least favorite is basketball, by the way. Oh, okay. Like I I stay away from NBA until it's the playoffs. Yeah. I don't do a lot of college basketball until it's March Madness. Um, And that's because there's so much of a, of a, there's so much of a focus on college football and of course NFL. Yeah. But you don't want to get yourself as a better, you don't want to get yourself in a position where you're betting like five NBA games or, you know, 10 NBA games a week when it's just the regular season and it's not even the all-star break yet. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I, 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 as a sports handicapper, I want to make sure I'm giving my clients games that have meaning because when they have meaning, you're getting the very best out of the players. Yeah, I love it. I absolutely love it. Uh, just getting you out here on two more. How do you handicap games? Great question. Um, I do something that's called compound handicapping. If you were to Google how to handicap or what types of handicap, believe it or not, there are different uh, there are different methods to this, right? And so, what compound handicapping is is first and foremost, if there's guys out there that say that they have a system or like a, like an AI type of system or mm-hmm. algorithm run the other way as fast as you possibly can, <laughs> because those are typically guys. I mean, you could sometimes just look at them, but those are typically guys that don't know anything about sports. They couldn't name you three players on a team. They couldn't tell you who won the Super Bowl in 2000, right? These are not sports dedicated people. Baltimore Ravens. There you go. These are <laughs> Trent Dilfer was the quarterback. Yes, he was. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Shannon Sharp was on that team as a tight end. So these are guys who, if, if I am counting on technology to give you a winner, that's a problem because that means I'm not accounting for all the different human variables yes. that can happen in a game. And it also means that I'm probably not watching those games because I can't speak knowledgeably about the players, the coaches, the staff, and all the different things that can come up that would give you an edge, right? And so compound handicapping is taking the eye test, mm. the stats, the analytics and putting everything together to make right blending them together in order to make picks right you can't just rely on one single way one singular way of handicapping and if you are you're probably not winning at a very high percentage i love it all right i'm gonna let you get out on this one what is your biggest goal in the space and what is what is your mama i made it moment what does that look like for you um, you know, for me, I, all the joy that I get out of this now is winning for my clients. And so, you know, there's not really a number attached to that per se, because, or just a, not necessarily a number, just like, you know, do you want to become someone that's on television? Do you want to, oh, yeah. like, what, yeah. like, what is the, what is the, the okay, grand yeah. goal? If, if no, you, listen, if I would, one. I would, I would 100%. And this is just me being honest. I'm not shy about it at all. I would love um, to be on TV, to to have a um, to be on a show somewhere where I could really take my personality and who I am and how I can handicap and being able to talk about the games and do all that in a much you know within a much larger platform. But why do I want to do that? I want to do that because the ultimate goal again is to give people winners and also to provide a certain level of in that case would be now entertainment, right? So if you look at like ESPN Bet and all the different characters that are on there, yes. and a lot of the like when they used to have Daily Wager again now it's called ESPN Bet, but that, that's broadcast here in Las Vegas. And if you look at some of those characters on there, they talk about all the 
different ways that um, they're not only handicapping the games, but what their picks are and stuff. And a lot of that is entertainment. It's a it's it's a very fun space to be in. So again, you're not only just making money, you're not only just helping people, but you also have that ability to bring that entertainment to the table where you know people look forward to that, right? They look forward to watching that show. They look forward to your different insights because if you put 10 people in a room and they asked, you know, who are your favorite personalities when it comes to learning more about sports betting and, and the picks? Because there's lots of people that they go to this website or that website or they catch this show or whatever. Um, and that's where they get their information from. So it's, I think that bringing different personalities to the table and allowing someone to see a little bit more of who you are, because I'm limited in that, you know, you yeah. have Instagram, you have all the different social media platforms, but it's really stuff like what we're doing right now is what allows people to get an insight into, oh, this, this guy right here, he's, he, I like him for this reason or that yeah. reason. So to be able to have, a, of course, a bigger platform to be able to do that would be awesome. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Thank you so much, hey, Fox, my as pleasure, always, coming in. Uh, thank you guys so much again for tuning in. Thank you so much to our sponsor, Coco Love, for the for the new two liters. I like this. We, we almost drank the whole thing, so obviously it was delicious. Um, but please make sure you like, share, and subscribe the channel. Please go back and watch some of our old episodes. The episode of Randall Cunningham is out there. Uh, had had some fun with uh, with Jerry Fire. Rice over the weekend. So looking to get Jerry Rice in here and, uh, and, and some more things coming up. So please make sure you guys stay tuned, and we'll see you guys next time. Like, share, subscribe.